So why don't you open your Bibles? We're still in our series, Devoted. It's uh, the final uh, part in our Devoted series. And we've just been focusing on a few verses, Acts 2, 42 through 47. We've just been reading them every week. And I want us to read them this time and think, what would it look like for a community like this to exist in Glasgow? And let's start dreaming about how we could be a community like that. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Luke begins the book of Acts like this. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. And I find that such an interesting turn of phrase. What he began to do. What, did, what does Luke possibly mean by what he began to do? Well, I think it's that Jesus continued to do work through his people, the church. And that's why he begins Acts, which is about the church, with Jesus began to do. And now we, the church, are to continue in his work. To be the church is to continue to do the mission of Jesus. Let that one sink in. One thing we know about Jesus is that he has always existed, always lived his life devoted to community, and I mean always. I mean from eternity past. Jesus has existed in perfect community with his Father and with the Spirit forever. That's why we see in Genesis, Genesis, that'd be strange, a little mix of John and Genesis. Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image. You know what's that before? Father, Son, and Spirit devoted to one another. They together, one God, three persons, created all that we have in them. We only have one part of Peter's sermon from Pentecost. Pentecost is that moment where the, the church is birthed as the Spirit of God is poured out. Jerusalem is changed in a moment. This radical thing takes place. The church, the ways of Jesus, spill out onto the streets. I mean, what an exciting moment. Imagine being there. Imagine seeing it. And Peter's sermon, which is at the heart of this moment, we only get like a little bit of it because we see in verses 40 and 41 that there was a lot more to be said, that was said, including a calling to save yourselves from this corrupt generation. In other words, to find salvation in Christ, you don't only commit yourself to Jesus, but you commit yourself to his ways and his people. You rejected the ways of a divided world 
and accept new ways of unity in Jesus, you enter a new humanity, a new community. And we call it the church. So if you've given your life to Jesus, you've also given your life to the church. Now that might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. Good. Because it's radical. It's kind of crazy. It's easy in many ways to say that you can be committed to a perfect being in Christ. But are you willing to say, I'm committed to my brothers and sisters too? I'm, I'm committed to my church. Jesus is showing us a better way, the way. In fact, the church is called the way in Acts well before anything is mentioned of the church. We call it the church, but actually Acts 9, 2, 19, 9, 23, and verse 23, 22, verse 4, 24, verses 14 through 22. Go and check them out. Or come and ask me afterwards because you probably didn't get that down in time. Um, that we see every time the church is, is called the way. Why is it called the way? Well, Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. And they were going on the way of Christ. And so we are to continue in the ways of Jesus. That is at the heart of our purpose as the church, to be on the way. In fact, one of our churches in advance is called The Way, just outside Belfast. And to remain devoted to the things that we've already covered in this series, they were devoted to fellowship and to teaching and to prayer to the breaking of bread to remain devoted to those things this church in Jerusalem had to organize itself it had to start to practice the rhythms of devotion in other words you can't just it doesn't just happen you've got to think about it you've got to be intentional about it we see in verse 46 that they regularly met together in the temple courts, and in homes. Isn't that interesting? We often think of the church just as a, a kind of gathering like this, but it's actually so much more than that. It's why we put a massive emphasis on grace communities. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Robin Dunbar um, wrote this book called Friends, and he did lots of really extensive research, and he found that throughout history, people consistently lived in communities of 150 you find that there is a scaling of threes. That generally people who have a kind of healthy community have five close friends or less, 150 just friends, people that you can you kind of know a little bit and you get to know them fairly well. 500 acquaintances, acquaintances, so you, you know their names, okay, and you're kind of you're aware of who they are. And there's kind of a little bit of community there. And then 1,500 people who you know just by name. You don't really know them, but you know them by name. Beyond that, he says, most human beings just don't have the capacity to maintain any more relationships than that. On Remembrance Sunday, it's worth remembering too that this is how armies have modeled themselves for battle, for mission. And that God has called us as the church to a mission, to a spiritual battle where we need to 
organize ourselves too. A fire team. Now, I'm going to be honest, I really have very little military knowledge, okay? But I have read this online, okay? A fire team is about two to four people, I'm told. A squad, eight to 12, or a section uh, patrol, eight to 25. A platoon or a company is anywhere from 50 to 250. So they see these, th these numbers that actually this research from Robin Dunbar shows and they, they've found the same thing for, mil for military battle. That these are helpful numbers to think about. And actually, that's how Jesus did it. Jesus had a few that he was close with. If you read through the Gospels, you'll see time and time again who the few are. Then he has the 12, the disciples. And then he has this bigger group of followers, 70 or so followers. Isn't that interesting? That's how Moses did it after Jethro tells him off. Do you remember? He tells him off because he's trying to do everything himself. And they then arrange themselves into similar size groups. And we at Glasgow Grace recognise that we're supposed to do this together, that we need different types of relationships. Sure, that takes time, but we want to set you guys up as best as possible, all of us up as best as possible, so that we can do community well, so that we can be on the way together. And we do that through Sundays, which is our bigger gathering. Grace communities are smaller gatherings. And then we encourage people to do it in the few, but we think it gets a bit weird if we tell you who to hang out with. So, the way in our Sundays, that's the first thing I want to just address. How is the way that we see in Jesus and then in the church in Jerusalem and beyond as uh, the Spirit of God breaks out across the nations and we start to see churches planted all over the place in the Bible? What, what do we see there in the way that we're trying to employ here in the way in Glasgow today? The first thing is that we are servants. Now the way of the world is to come to something like this and take what we want and leave the rest. To go in like this is some kind of shop and go, well, I like the worship, but Ian's pretty boring, so I'm just going to ignore him. And then um, I like the coffee, but you know what? Like, I don't really want to chat to that many people, so I'm just going to chat to a few friends and then I'm going to disappear pretty early on because I can't really be bothered really, like sitting down and all that sort of nonsense. Um, I'll sometimes go to Grace Community, but nah, maybe not. And, and they end up leaving church, leaving Sundays, and you kind of sound like a TripAdvisor review. Preaching, ah, two and a half stars maybe. Uh, worship, oh, five stars. Excellent. Welcome, yeah. Five stars, five stars, mate. Brilliant. Um, and we kind of we just assess the church like this. This is not the way of Jesus. What is the way of Jesus? Jesus said that he did not come to serve but to be served. If Jesus was a politician, that might be a great line to not follow through on. Right? 
and did not come to serve but to be served. It's a great line. The difference between politicians and Jesus is that Jesus follows through. He was our saviour. And he proved it to the point of death that this was not some pithy one-liner. He went to the cross so that we could have community with God and with one another. I said that he has always existed in community. That's how he did his ministry with the disciples and the followers and the few. It's what he's existed in forever as Father, Son, and Spirit. But there was a moment where Jesus didn't exist in community. And that was when he was abandoned by the disciples. And on the cross, he was separated from his Father so that we could be united to his Father. So that we could call him Abba Father. So that we could be united to him and be the community of God that he so desperately wanted us to be. So when we come to church, we come to serve one another like Christ has served us so that we can be the community that he died for so that we could exist. The way is not about trying daily, it's about dying daily. Every Sunday we come, not as entitled consumers, but as people ready to serve one another and the guests that walk through our door. We serve as a body, as Christ as our head. Do you ever think about how it's actually kind of strange that the one who rules and reigns over all things decides to do his ministry with others? Do you ever think about that? I mean, really, he didn't need these guys. They slowed him down, but he spent most of his time with them. It would have been easier just to do it himself, but he loved us enough to make the first disciples while he did ministry, who would then make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, now you're here. The Apostle Paul would later describe us as a body with many gifts. And he says that even the weakest, the one that seems most dispensable to the world, is indispensable in the church. How radically different is that from the way in which we do any other kind of community? I mean, I've had some great community in the past in other places, praise God. Places like rugby clubs, right? That's where I find a lot of mine, okay? Don't judge. And honestly, if you're not a good player, or you don't have enough banter, or you're just a little strange or an easy target, you're not going to fit in that well. Just the way it is. It's not the way in the church. It should never be the way in the church. Sadly, it sometimes is. But we are called to much more. Second thing I want to look at is prayer. So when we come, we begin at 3 p.m. with prayer. Half an hour before every meeting, we pray together. The way of the world is to say that I'm coming to serve myself. This is about me. This is about finding my own identity. But actually, and, and finding some kind of self-dependence that 
is deep within me, but actually when we come and we pray straight away, what are we saying? We're saying that we're not self-dependent, we're dependent on God alone. We need his power, we need him to work, we need him to act. The way is to look to him and depend on him. Come to prayer, 3 p.m. for our half three meetings. Hopefully that will change at some point. We'll say, come at half 10, because we've got a meeting at 11. Soon. Then, what happens on a Sunday? Well, we have our welcome. Now, we have a welcome team, but I want you just, let's just say this right off the bat. A welcome team should be here and organizing and helping us to all welcome well. The only reason we have a welcome team is because it's practical and it helps the rest of us to also be a welcoming community. So if you think, oh, I'm not on the welcome team, I don't need to welcome anyone. No! <laughs> we welcome because God has welcomed us into his presence and we want to mimic something of that. Jesus has welcomed us to the table of God into our Father's house. And so when anyone walks through those doors, we want to welcome them like God has welcomed us. The way of the world is, hmm, you've got to kind of like settle in first, got to get to know some people, you got to kind of, you know, do a little bit of work, got to sidle up to people and give them some chat. The way of Jesus is, no, no, you don't need to say a word. By God's grace, I love you, come on in. We are radically different. We welcome people into the love of God. Then we spend time singing together. This was one of the toughest things for me about the pandemic, that we weren't able to come and worship together, that we couldn't sing together, that I was singing in my living room and I could hear myself far too much, that I couldn't hear all of you singing to the glorious praise that you give to God, all of us with the voices raised together, not just singing to God and worship and praise, going back to what we're designed to do because we're made in His image for His glory. We are about worship. That's what our whole being is made for. And we're displaying something of that when we come together to one another and enjoying being the people that we're supposed to be as we worship God. But in that... As we worship, we're not only, as we see in Ephesians 5, ministering to each other through song, and we're not only worshipping the God that we're made to worship, we're actually in spiritual battle. In Chronicles 2.20, Jehoshaphat sends out a choir in front of the army to sing about God's love enduring forever. It's part of the battle. The enemy cowers from our declarations of song together as the Spirit unites us as one as we worship Christ. In the world, the way of the world is that just some performer does it. And yeah, we might sing along in the crowd, but it's really about them. Here, it's the opposite. These guys lead us in worship, not so we notice them, but so that we together can worship God. How different is that? It's the, it's the opposite way around. Sure, they're leading us, 
But they don't want to be noticed. They want you to notice God and how good he is and how good he is for you and how good he is for everybody else in the room as we unite in one voice. That's why we sing. And then our kids go out. Why do our kids go out? Because, well, the way of the world is, let's just entertain our kids, give them what they feel like, and any teaching of God's goodness and love for them is indoctrination. So no, don't do that. Don't indoctrinate them. No, we say God is good, he loves them, and we want them to know his ways now. Because Jesus said, let the little children come to me. He didn't say, wait. I don't know if they're old enough yet to really make that decision to come to me. No, he said, let them come to me. So we are unapologetically telling our kids the good news about Jesus. That there's a God who loves them, that made them in his image. A God who came and died for them. A God they can rely on no matter what happens in their lives. One of our moms told me recently how their kid came back from a music lesson. Saying, Mom, we've got to pray for my teacher. I'm not sure she knows Jesus yet. Awesome. Come on, kids. That's what we want. We want to help these kids see God and to equip them for a way of living a life in the way. And teaching and preaching. Well, the way of the world is, well, the truth is deep within you. Just take time to get to know yourself. And this is, this is where you'll find the truth. But actually, the way of Jesus is that he comes teaching and preaching, proclaiming the good news, and he was called teacher, and he taught scripture. The church was born when the Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, and pre Peter preaches the good news, and we continue to preach the Bible, which is profitable to us. We are convinced that the Bible is God's word, that it is true, that it is infallible in its original languages. Our interpretation isn't always infallible, of course, but the Bible is. And so we look to find out what is the true meaning of this glorious text given to us, this timeless word that God has given to us, revealing himself and who we truly are as we commit to him. And communion. Jesus at the Passover meal, before he was arrested, said, do this in remembrance of me. The bread represented his body given for us and the wine represented his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sin. And as we do that, we all participate in him. That's what Paul says to the church in Corinth. We participate in him because we are one in Christ. We are one people because there is one bread and one wine, one Savior, one Messiah. And we declare it together as we take communion. And back to how we introduced this. We want people coming to this table who are drastically different from one another. I think earlier when Eunice and I were chatting, Eunice described this as having unity, not uniformity. So I think it's a really helpful way of describing it. We have unity in Christ, but we are very different from one another in all sorts of different ways. Praise God, this is the unifying 
power of Christ to take people of all different backgrounds and unite them in him. Every tribe and tongue. Anyone can come to this table. Put your, put your trust in Jesus and you can come to this table. Because he unites. I dream about that. I dream about people getting up to break bread who were orange order. Going up to take communion with those who were Republicans. I dream of those who are nationalists coming to take communion with unionists. I presume we already have that. People who are from Muslim backgrounds taking communion with people from Hindu backgrounds who have put their trust in Christ. That's what I dream of. I dream of that happening in Glasgow. I dream of people from all parts of the city uniting around the table. And that's why we do it on a Sunday, because we think there's something powerful about people coming from all these different grace communities around the city, coming together and saying we're one in Christ. Giving. The way of the world is that, oh yeah, money makes the, the world go round. Make enough money to be comfortable, to be happy, spend it on your drinks, on your nights out, partying at the weekend, forgetting the week with Saturday night or Friday night or whatever it is. They spend it on looking good and on holidays, on cars, and they, be, they panic when the money isn't coming in. But we are different. All things are God's anyway. We are committed to a generous God. And in faith, we believe that God provides. It is at the heart of the ways of Jesus. So we come and we give our first offerings. And when we give, we give generously, not out of compulsion, but worshipfully to the glory of God and to the good of Glasgow. And we gather to go. It's something we've been adding to our meetings. You've probably noticed some of you are probably getting bored of it. I don't care. Because I want you to be reminded that we gather to go. We gather not just for ourselves. We don't just come for a worship experience. We come so that we can be equipped to go and serve and bless this glorious city. We gather not just for the event but to go and share this goodness that we're receiving from Jesus. Go therefore, Jesus says, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. Our gatherings are not an end in themselves. The church in Jerusalem has people being saved and added daily, not because God beamed into their meetings, but because they went from that place and blessed others, told others about Jesus. That's Sundays. And then we do grace communities in these slightly smaller groups, about 10 to 15. And we do four things in a rhythm. Food, Prayer and worship, Bible, and mission. So I'm just going to quickly touch on why we do those, okay? Food, because getting around the table and sharing the same food, whether you're rich or poor, whatever your background, unites you like very few other things. And at the end of that, we take communion. We already talked about how powerful communion is. There's something about eating together in the same way that Jesus went and ate tax collectors and sinners that says something 
Because we're not just having dinner parties and trying to impress people that we want to be friends with. We are uniting around the table again with people who are very different from us. Because we're about love, because we're about the way of Jesus, because we're about rubbing shoulders with people who are radically different. And then the second week, we'll get together and we'll pray and we'll worship together. And I know I've gone over some of this stuff already. But in those intimate moments, in those smaller groups, where maybe it's harder to go and receive prayer at the end of the meeting here on a Sunday, particularly from people you don't know so well, we can pray and prophesy over each other. We can really know each other's lives and groups that size. When someone's really struggling, we can say, come on, get into their middle. Let's lay on some hands and pray for you. Let's see what God does. There's a deeper intimacy and friendship that we can have in those groups. Our aim is that we would continue to multiply those groups, which means that there is sacrifice to it because you gain some friendship and then uh, we've got to then split into two groups and now we're doing it differently now but hopefully some of those relationships still remain and then more are added and that was what would have been happening in Jerusalem the under no illusions it wasn't cozy it was it was a hard aspect to that it was sacrifice to it Bible on the third week we get into truth together and we really want to focus here on application because you know what we can come together and we can get God's teaching and we can say ah wasn't that great wasn't it great to receive from God's word wasn't it great to to eat together um, from his word and then we just kind of go away and and like the kind of trip advisor thing I was talking about earlier we just go away going well that was a good preach or that wasn't so good and that's it honestly A preach is not good for you. It might have been good, but it's not good for you until you receive it in your heart and you're obedient to Christ in response. And so our focus, you'll have noticed in those Bible nights, is not in-depth study, it's on application. Because we want to help one another to live this, to be on the way. And then our fourth week we talk about mission now as grace communities spread across the city we should get more and more local and it will help us to do this more and more effectively but our dream is that we would be on mission together to our local areas we could really love our local area as well we could organize ourselves to do things that are effective and actually one of the reasons that lewis has been employed here at glasgow grace part-time is so that he can support Grace Community Leaders and he's going to be meeting with them in the next few weeks about how it is that he can support you guys as, as Grace Communities to serve your local communities in a way that makes a meaningful difference but at the same time is something you can do now. And for some that will be maybe some kind of course that you can run but for others it might be as simple as just getting out on the streets and praying for people or getting out there and cleaning up someone's house who needs, some, uh, needs their house cleaned up. Whatever it is, just bless people together. And to encourage one another to go and simply live your lives. 
coming to Grace Communities and to Sundays, keeping church as simple as we can so the rest of your time is freed up to truly love the people that you live next door to. Love the people that you work with. Love the people around you as you live your life. Be on mission to them. And then the few. So that was the way in Sundays. I want you to see why we do things on Sundays, the way we do. And then that was the way in Grace Communities. It's important we see why we do these things. And then the way in the few. Now, this is what we don't really organise, but we do equip you for. So we encourage you to meet in twos, threes, fours, and pray for one another. Because you can go really deep when you're in groups that size. Get on a wee WhatsApp group together and maybe do some Bible reading together. We've got a Bible reading plan on the website. I think it's a good plan. It's a manageable plan. It gets you through the whole diet of Scripture. So you do the Old Testament every three years, the New Testament every year, and the Psalms every year. Two chapters a day, Monday to Friday. Chapter from the Psalms on Saturday, you rest on a Sunday. And it's just a great way that you can encourage each other. You just send them a little message each day. Hey, this is what I enjoyed from today or, or I found challenging or whatever. We've got a little group and we meet up every so often. Um, we've had one meet, I think, so far. But we're going to try and increase that. And it's just a great way to try and encourage one another and go deeper. And of course, there are all kinds of ways that you can do that. And that's partly why we don't say, look, you must do this, you must join this like little prayer triplet or whatever. Or we, we don't organise you into that because we get that that could be strange. So find people that you just think, man, I could re- I'm, I'm feeling that I could really go deep with this person or, or these few people and do it. Open yourselves up. That's what Jesus did. Peter, James and John, he was closer than he was with the rest. You can see that as you go through the Gospels. Do the same thing. So guys, I'm hoping you see that we are continuing in the work of Jesus and we're calling one another on Sundays and in Grace Communities and in the few to be more and more like Christ. We are not doing this because we want to just be entertaining. I'd far rather that you uh, found us like Paul and not Apollos. What do I mean by that? Well, Apollos was this very exciting new teacher. And uh, this church, Corinth, got really excited. And Corinth got really excited about Apollos. They thought, wow, this guy's amazing. Such a great orator. He wasn't being faithful to the way. It's not about entertainment. Paul, on the other hand, caused some people to fall asleep while he was preaching. But he was faithful to the way. And that's what we want to be about at Glasgow Grace. 